This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, both with Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing well. My house has gotten much quieter now that my foster dog is gone. Sad day, but he didn't go far. My mom adopted him. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Fail. Fail. Big fail. Well, I I think it's a a win in his book. Sam, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been really enjoying these little teases of spring weather we keep getting. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's she's just right around the corner. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Well, we're uh, excited to talk about uh, the topic today. Mary, I know you've done a lot of research on this, and Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about uh, NC Care 360, and we're very pleased to welcome in two guests on the program, uh, Laquana Palmer, Program Director of NC Care 360, as well as Donald Hughes, Director of Community Voice for FHLI. That's the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation, and uh, I think we're going to start out first with Laquana, and we're very excited to have you on the program. Hi, good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Laquana, we have heard a lot about North Carolina Care 360 in the news, and it's kind of become a buzzword, especially over COVID. I think you've seen it pop up a little bit of everywhere lately. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about what is NC Care 360 and how did it come about? Wow, NC Care 360 has just been an amazing um, innovation that has come about for North Carolina. We're actually the first statewide network that unites healthcare and human service organizations together through a, a shared coordinated technology. And so when looking at that, and you're asking the question of, you know, in any setting that a person may go into, you know, what does a person need? What do you need right now to be healthy? Um, NC Care 360 is actually helping individuals with linking to those different needs. Um, when we think about just the vision of NC Care 360 and just how it came about, it was actually through the, the Department of Health and Human Services here in North Carolina, and they have an initiative called Healthy Opportunities. And with that, they begin to think about just the needs of North Carolina, how to create better health throughout, you know, all individuals throughout North Carolina, and how can we get them access to those different needs they identify. So they had this thought of putting together this shared infrastructure and with that with linking different systems, different programs to ensure that individuals, families and communities are able to achieve better health. So, again, this is just a vision of, you know, the the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, and they selected uh, the Foundation of Health Leadership and Innovation to serve as the administrators of this great program. So, again, it's just been amazing. It happened and rolled out very quickly, but we're so excited and happy that folks are starting to, to catch on and more organizations are starting to utilize the network. Wow, it sounds like such an awesome program. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've heard a little bit about it in some meetings I've been a part of um, in my role at Transition, so I'm excited to kind of dive deeper into the topic today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Laquana, tell us, who is behind NC Care 360 now that it's under the foundation? Is it still a public partnership? Yes, it's still a public-private partnership. 
this work absolutely cannot happen without the partnerships of so many just across the state. But the key partnerships that we still have is through the, the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services and then also with FHLI serving as, again, the administrators. But we can't do this alone. So we have amazing state partners who have been working with us. We have our partners at Unite Us who um, actually power the technology that we use for the referral, um, coordinated uh, referrals. And then we also have United Way um, 211 of North Carolina, um, who we use to help us with the work that we use for our navigators who are helping also with a lot of the complex cases that we see with NC Care 360 and just again, helping with the referrals that happen throughout the state. And then again, with our, our referral network for this repository, we pull all of the great networks, <laughs> all of the great coordinated care that is already happening throughout the state through the work through expound decisions. And so with that partnership, it forms NC Care 360, this public-private partnership to ensure that we are thinking of innovative, continuous ways to help with these complex health challenges as we are linking, again, folks to the different needs that they identify. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So who can access um, NC Care 360 and how do you go about getting assistance um, through the program? So NC Care 360 is an electronic referral network that is open to any provider to use across the state. Uh, we, we consider it uh, an any wrong door, a no wrong door approach to um, using a network. So whether you are a healthcare provider, an insurer, a community-based organization, it is open to all providers to use with their clients, with their patients that come in from any of those networks. And, and I'm limited and instead just, you know, the healthcare providers, insurers, and community-based organizations, but those community-based organizations could be faith-based. They can be someone that is providing transportation. They could be someone who is um, having educational or employment um, services. So there's a variety of different settings where providers can use this with their, their clients. And the way to access NC Care 360 and to join the actual network, um, we go to nccare360.org where we have links where you can join the network or if you wanted to practice your own agency with finding your own resources, we actually have our resource directory that is right on our website where individuals can go in and be able to search for the different resources across the state. So there's different entryways to be able to access NC Care 360. But again, to, the way to do that is through our actual website. Awesome. So do patients have to give consent to take part of NC Care 360? They do have to um, provide um, consent. They do have to give um, consent in order to use NC Care 360 with their providers. And the way that they can do that is through, you know, whether they are in person and, and it is a, a verbal consent, there is also written consent, but also attestation as well. So that consent does have to be um, provided in order to use um, NC Care 360 with the provider. That's great. You know, I, I've been at meetings before with former Secretary Cohen, who when she was talking about this program, when it was starting to get launched, and she loved to tell the story about how she went to see a patient in their home, and they were complaining about asthma. And really, when you get to the home, it was the carpet that was the problem. And there was, um, and yeah. that was causing a lot of the problems. So this sounds like a, a way that we can address that whole person view of healthcare. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what that means? And what is the end goal and mission behind this platform? 
Absolutely. When you think about, you know, a person when they are going in, and I'll, and I'll use another example that we typically tap into, and you're asking, you know, a, a patient, they're sitting with their, their provider, their health provider, and they're, they're going through all of these different tests, and, and they're asking all of these different, you know, questions related to their medical needs. But how many times do we turn around and ask a question related to, you know, are you hungry? Do you have the transportation that you need to be able to get to a grocery store? Do you live in a food desert where it takes you five to 10 miles to get to somewhere to where you could be able to have um, healthy food on, on the table. So with NT Care 360, we're able to um, be able to ask the questions because we have the questions that are related to those, those social determinants of health that help determining, you know, what does a person's health look like outside of performing a, a medical test on someone. So being able to, to ask those questions, to look at a whole person's health on, on what they need to be able to, to be able to, to either access or, or be able to, to even link to um, those different resources that are needed for, you know, for their health. We're, we're happy to be able to provide this type of um, tool for our, our different providers so they can be able to help them with increasing that access for, for everyone across North Carolina. Uh, you see where the 360 comes in. This is such a mm-hmm. cool service. We're really excited to talk more about this. We do have to take a break. We are speaking with Laquana Palmer. She is the program director of NC Care 360. We also have Donald Hughes on the line as well, and we're going to speak with him after the break. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, go online anytime to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. It's a wonderful resource for you. And again, you can learn plenty more there. I am Jason Kong here with uh, Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. We have two wonderful guests on the line. We have Laquana Palmer, who is the program director of NC Care 360, as well as Donald Hughes, the director of Community Voice for the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation. And we are knee deep in a discussion all about NC Care 360. And we got to maximize our time here with Laquana and Donald. So let's get back (laughs) to it. Yeah, and we know here in North Carolina, you know, we have such a large military community in our state. Um, So, Laquana, we wanted to talk to you about NC Serves joined NC Care 360 to help coordinate care for that military community in our state. So, can you talk to us more about this partnership? Sure, absolutely. So, NC Care 360 and NC Serves we unified in July of 2021. So, just this past July, and we wanted to make sure that we unified um, to help with increasing the number of resources that are available to our active duty service members, our veterans, and also with our their families as well. Um, we saw this as an opportunity where. Um, these were two separate networks where one network was serving our active duty service members and our veterans, but there was a need to also make sure that they were reaching their families as well. So with 
these two um, networks unifying were able to provide a, a coordinated care, you know, resource to this whole community um, that was in need of just different resources. As we see, you know, these different families, they're, they're sometimes very transient and they are trying to help with locating different resources. We saw this as a way to help the whole family with identifying, again, those different needs that they have and ensuring that they're linking to them as well. So again, it's just looking at a way to increase access for all the North Carolinians. That's awesome. So I, I hate to bring this word up, but <laughs> COVID-19. Um, the, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> the pandemic has created a challenge for so many healthcare organizations, human service organizations in the community that um, have made it very difficult for many who are navigating the system, caregivers, patients, families, etc. cetera. Uh, are you guys doing anything to ensure access to this network um, for providers and for the community considering these challenges that we're facing? So uh, just a, a personal note that I'll, that I'll share, you know, prior to joining NC Care 360, I served as the communications manager for public health preparedness and response. And so the moment that we heard that, you know, that word of COVID-19 and saw that there was, you know, going to be an impact, not just to North Carolina, but to the entire um, world and the, and the nation, you know, we mm-hmm. decided that we need to do something very quickly. So with NC Care 360, we originally planned to roll out in December of 2020, but because of the, the impact of the, the pandemic, we decided to expedite all of the onboarding and training processes for joining the network, for an organization to join the network. And so by expediting that process, we were able to onboard um, organizations. Um, and we specifically looked at transportation, food insecurity. Um, we're looking at um, housing as well. And we really tapped into all of those different resources to ensure that we could get them on by June of 2020. So that was expedited, expedited by six months to ensure that, again, on individuals who were in need across the state of North Carolina were able to get um, access to these supportive programs as they were quarantining and isolating um, due to being impacted by you know COVID-19. So again, it's just making sure that the organizations were able to join so that as they were working from home, they actually had the infrastructure and the interoperability to be able to, to still keep their, their resources running while, you know, still experiencing this new um, experience that everyone was going through across North Carolina. So we were just happy to be able to, to have this service and this interoperability with this technology available. So, you know, we were able to recently talk to an organization, I'm sure many are familiar with Meals on Wheels, mm-hmm. and many of them said that they would not have been able to keep going without having NC Care 360 in place. So we were just happy to make sure that we had this available. We expedited quickly to ensure that this this technology was available so that folks, as they were, were at home, they could still be able to access the food and the, the transportation and things that they still needed. That is the voice of Laquana Palmer. And, you know, it's incredible to think about uh, just how much we were able to accomplish uh, throughout COVID-19 that, you know, uh, a lot of people probably don't recognize that just how much work was put into keeping these services going. And, you know, that, uh, in, in this regard, that's a big thanks to NC Care 360. And Laquana, I think we've, we've gone real easy on you. It's time to get the hardball questions <laughs> in now. And we got we to gotta bring in Donald. we got to grill him good. No, I'm just kidding. We, we want to speak with Donald about uh, uh, how this impacts our rural communities. So Donald is, again, the director of Community Voice for the Foundation for Health, Leadership, and Innovation, and uh, we're, we're pleased to talk with him now. 
Donald, I'm really excited personally to talk to you about our topic today. For those of you who may not know, um, I live in Johnston County. I live in Clayton. Uh, Joko represent. Uh, <laughs> and in part of my role in transition uh, transitions, I serve a very rural community with Johnston County, Harnett County, parts of Wendell, Zebulon. Um, so this is something that's really near and dear to my heart. I've grown up in a very rural area. My family are very rural. Um, <laughs> And I know that rural communities are so unique. So it's great to hear. I'm so excited to hear that there's a dedicated group that's working to address the specific needs of rural communities. So, Donald, can you tell us a little bit about NC Rural Health Leadership Alliance? Absolutely. So first off, thank you so much for having us on today. I'm really excited to be able to talk about the work that we're doing at the foundation, um, particularly with the North Carolina Rural Health Leadership Alliance, but our entire um, cadre of services related to community boards. So the North Carolina Rural Health and Leadership Alliance is our state's rural health association. So this is an organization of more than 50 members that um, allows the Rural Health Leadership Alliance to serve as a single organizer to connect, to share, to foster information and services, but to offer a unified voice that promotes better rural health for our rural community and for overlooked and underserved communities across the state. Um, while I was born and raised in Durham, North Carolina, I like to say that I am a child of rural North Carolina. <laughs> so my family hails from person in Caswell County, North Carolina, and we grew up and had farms and just understand some of the challenges that exist in terms of providing health care mm-hmm. in rural communities across our state. So we're excited to have a group of professionals, of individuals, of students, of folks that represent statewide health associations, medical providers to really come together to say, hey, our rural communities are unique and the challenges that our rural communities face will require, in many cases, Mm -hmm. unique uh, solutions to help move the needle and improve health outcomes. Absolutely. You know, we hear the word disparities a lot when talking about rural health, especially during COVID and uh, during the times when we're addressing things like vaccines and um, access to health care. Can you talk to a little bit uh, to our listeners about what exactly are health disparities and how does the North Carolina Rural Health Leadership Alliance work to reduce those disparities? Absolutely. So health disparities broadly are really those preventable um, differences or things that um, cause one group to face a disadvantage in terms of receiving health uh, care or even health outcomes in the other group. So these are things that we could actually prevent from impacting the person. So if we have, um, which if we're going to be completely honest about our health care system, historically there have been incidents of uh, racism and discrimination that, it, that allow one group to receive better care service than other groups. So when we think about health disparities, we're thinking about from a historical perspective, but also from an environmental. Do our communities have access to transportation that would allow them to receive mm-hmm. the services that they need? Are our communities filled with uh, doctors and nurses enough of them to provide quality services in our rural community? Are there food deserts that exist in our rural and marginalized communities that prevent residents from having access to healthy foods that would ultimately prevent some of these long-term illnesses um, that often are pervasive in communities of color and in rural communities? Or if we think about mental and behavioral health, and we know that our rural communities that 
Um, there may be cultural reasons why folks shy away from behavioral health services. There may be a lack of behavioral health providers that means that our rural communities aren't receiving the mental health and behavioral health services that they need. So there really is a broad, um, I guess, definition of understanding of health disparities. But ultimately, our goal is to ensure that every North Carolinian, without regard to the zip code or the type of community they live in, they have access to quality health care, quality health services, and they have a chance to have the same health outcome as those of us that may live in more urban areas with greater access to services and hospitals and other support, um, as Laquana mentioned, thinking about those social determinants of health. Now, that is an admirable goal. We are speaking with Donald Hughes. He is the Director of Community Voice for the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation. We are also speaking with Laquana Palmer, Program Director of NC Care 360. And we're taking a quick break, but we're going to continue our conversation with them right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Uh, We've had two wonderful guests on the line for this program, and they are Laquana Palmer, Program Director of NC Care 360, as well as Donald Hughes, Director of Community Voice for the Foundation for Health, Leadership, and Innovation. And just before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, uh, disparities when it comes to health and um, just how this impacts us. And, you know, while it's important to have that conversation, it, it, it doesn't have to be a passive conversation. Mm-hmm. It could be an active one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Donald, I know you mentioned, and, and I know too, a lot of the disparities in rural communities are things like transportation, access to health care, um, food disparities as well, amongst many others. Um, so what are some ways that we can advocate to address these disparities in our communities? Well, I think one of the uh, ways that uh, folks can really help to address some of these disparities and advocate for rural communities. Um, one is joining the North Carolina Rural Health Leadership Alliance. So the alliance is open to students, to individuals, to retirees, to community-based organizations, businesses, and uh, statewide health associations. As a part of the work that we do at the alliance, advocacy is a key component of that work. So we have relationships with members of our state legislature. We have relationships with members of our congressional delegations and their staff. And one of the things that we want to do at the Alliance at the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation is to be um, an objective and a trusted voice in terms of rural health information and addressing disparities that might exist. So one is join the North Carolina Rural Health Leadership uh, Alliance so that we can have a diverse set of voices at the table and ensure that we are advocating on behalf of the needs of folks in rural communities as diverse as our rural communities are 
The next thing I would say is that just talk directly to your local representatives, your school board members, your city council, town council folks, and even your state representatives to say, hey, we live in rural North Carolina. We know what our challenges are, and we want to work with you to advocate and push for things that are really going to help improve health outcomes. So that may not necessarily mean you saying, well, they're advocating specifically from a clinical side. It may mean going to your city council people and saying, hey, we don't have adequate busing to be able to get to our pharmacies or to our doctors. Can we add more bus stops so that uh, elderly individuals or mm-hmm. rural communities with those many lack transportation can actually get to and from the services that they need? So I just think there are many ways, but really lifting the authentic voice of community, whether through the World Health Leadership Alliance and our advocacy efforts or through our CBOs or individual community leaders, really just speaking to our elected officials to tell what our needs are and how we think we can advance or improve health outcomes in rural communities. That's amazing. I hate to bring up the word again, but I'm going to do it. It's COVID. Um, We know, I know from, um, you know, doing the research on you all that um, the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation and the Rural Health Coalition have been working to address um, different solutions. And with COVID, um, there are a variety of things that you guys have been working on. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Rural Coalition fighting COVID-19? Yes, so the Rural Coalition fighting COVID-19, it really began as a partnership between the North Carolina Rural Center, the Governor's Hometown Strong Office, FHLI, and the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Rural Health. So a year ago, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, these groups came together and really said, hey, we need to convene rural leaders, rural collaborators, rural partners to share information, vital resources, and messaging communities related to COVID-19. So within the last year, we've had over 20 meetings of the Rural Coalition Fighting COVID with more than 900 individuals who have participated, representing more than 50 counties across the state. So this is an opportunity to hear from subject matter experts about the latest with COVID-19, vaccines, boosters, therapeutics, and then what we always try to do is lift up a, lift up a community voice during those meetings. But the ultimate goal is to bring together folks to say, hey, here's the best practice. Here's what's working in my community in Western North Carolina that you may be able to use in Eastern North Carolina to help folks understand the vaccinations, understand the therapeutics, understand the importance of wearing masks. And I'm just proud to say that from these meetings of the Rural Coalition Fighting COVID, we have been able to connect uh, community leaders, community-based organizations, and really start to implement some life-changing uh, strategies to addressing the COVID-19 response in our rural communities. So we're super proud of the Rural Coalition Fighting COVID. This group meets monthly, virtually, and again, each month we have a subject matter expert to talk about a particular topic along with the community voice. And even in some cases, we share funding opportunities so that organizations will be equipped with the resources they need in order to serve right where they are. And that's so wonderful. It's awesome to be able to just connect and provide those resources to um, to rural areas. So, Donald, I wanted to talk a little bit, if we could, about telehealth. Um, we know that that's something that's really become a big resource during COVID. Um, but I'm curious, too, you know, how that has affected some of our rural communities. Um, I know a lot of places I go to, some of my own family members, perhaps, <laughs> don't really have access to internet to do any type of 
Zoom telehealth or, you know, even sometimes cell phone service can be a little spotty. So um, how have you seen telehealth impact some of our rural areas? So telehealth is absolutely one part of the puzzle that is necessary for uh, us to achieve the health outcomes we want to see mm-hmm. in rural communities. We understand that folks have transportation challenges. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's just not a provider that may be able to tackle a specific um, treatment or request from a patient. So telehealth is absolutely vital. But as you mentioned, there are some challenges. Mm-hmm. And in some of our rural communities, you know, access to broadband can be challenging. We know that the uh, telephone access is challenging. And we've even had meetings that we've hosted where we see those challenges when some of our partners are trying to log on and they're having issues because the storm is coming through or they have to travel to a central location where mm-hmm. they may have better service. So while we want to focus on telehealth and providing telehealth services, we know that there are some foundational things that have to happen to make that possible. And one is advocating for increased rural broadband access. So when we think about advocating on a state level, federal level, that's one of the things that we're pushing our congressional and state delegation to um, really ask for more funding to improve the internet connectivity of our rural communities. Another component of telehealth is just even having the staff that can help folks if they are able to make it to a center that provides telehealth services. Mm -hmm. So if you have a a laptop or a kiosk that's allowing someone to interface with a provider virtually, there has to be someone that's able to help connect that individual, that patient to those services. So when we think about rural health workforce, we have to make sure we are training more and we have folks coming down the pipeline that will be able to serve in these roles to help connect our residents to telehealth services. But absolutely, it's a part of the work that we're doing at the foundation and a part of our advocacy efforts. But we also know that there are again some um, infrastructure and foundation level challenges that we have to meet in order to make telehealth broadly available for all of our communities. Yeah, that is absolutely critical. And Donald, if, if folks want to learn more about either NC Care 360 or the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation, how can they do that? Yes, they can visit our website, which is foundationhli.org. And from there, you'll see tabs at the top of the page where you can find information about any of the programs that, uh, uh, excuse me, the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation manages. So, again, that's foundationhli.org. Wonderful. Foundationhli.org. That is the voice of Donald Hughes. He's the Director of Community Voice for the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation. And we also spoke with Laquana Palmer, Program Director of NC Care 360. We want to thank you both so much for your time today. This was, this was such a wonderful discussion. I'm so glad that we we're able to share information about uh, both the foundation and NC Care 360 with the listeners today. Thank, thank you, Donald, and thank you, Laquana. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you again. It was our pleasure. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. And, you know, thankfully, we, we haven't had to do uh, a COVID segment on the show for a while. You know, things right. are starting to trend in the right direction a little bit. But uh, that, that doesn't mean that we're completely out of the woods. You know, we've, we've had run-ins, uh, I, I think all of us personally, with COVID, whether it was through us individually or through family members. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And I think everyone can probably attest to that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's also the, the prospect of long COVID mm-hmm. where, you know, various symptoms still persist and persist. And that's uh, something I think we're going to be dealing with for a long time. I'm sure, probably for months, maybe even years to come. Yeah, it's something that I've had personal experience with over the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I, we will definitely need to get a doctor on this show to, yeah. talk, to talk about <laughs> lung COVID. We'll we'll get a primary care or cardiologist or somebody on the show in the coming weeks to talk about it. But um, because I'm no doctor, but I definitely have been experiencing symptoms with long COVID as as his my boyfriend who we were in the hospital two times with over the weekend, unfortunately. But um, I just find it very interesting. You think you know I got COVID back in the beginning of December, and um, I, I was I'm in the clinical trial still for Johnson. And Johnson um, COVID vaccine. So it had been a while since I'd been vaccinated. It had been about a year. And I had gone in on a Monday and I got a booster shot. And um, shortly thereafter, of course, the booster takes 10 days to yeah, set in. The timing could not have been worse. It really. could, yeah, horrible <laughs> timing. Um, and so I was, quote, boosted, but it hadn't set in. And then I got COVID. Um, and so it wasn't fun because I didn't, I wasn't really vaccinated mm-hmm. at that point. I, I'm sure that I was vaccinated, but I wasn't really fully protected. Right. Um, and so it really did hit me pretty hard and it hit him, my boyfriend, even worse. Um, and we, we struggled for uh, about a week, um, but then it was gone and my taste came back and everything mm-hmm. was fine. And I went on with life. Um, and then I started having chest pain and then I started having palpitations, which isn't unusual for me because I have an mm. underlying heart condition. So I'm, it's not something that was just shock to me. Um, but um, I've been kind of dealing with that on and off been back and forth to the cardiologist. And they've basically said it's long COVID. I and mean, there's no mm. other, you know, if Sam's or butts about it, it's just something that I will drink a lot of water, get some rest, exercise, do the things mm. and, and hopefully it'll go away. But he ended up in the hospital over the weekend with um, heart palpitations and blood pressure issues. And um, we he went once and then you know on sunday he ended up back there with more and it's just it's been um it's interesting to think about and it's kind of put things on pause you know and thinking about how as a healthcare um system we're going to deal with this uh right. because sure covid's coming into this I, I feel like it's plateauing a little bit we're feeling everything lighten up but these things are going to linger, and um, I think that we're going to see people who have underlying conditions or who have um, had a really bad case of COVID. Mm-hmm. I feel like that symptoms and could kind of draw out on some of these Definitely. things, especially in you know our older, more vulnerable populations too. I know you know my grandmother had COVID over a year ago now, and I mean she's doing great now, but um, it definitely took her a long time to really 
get back. And if I'm being honest, she probably hasn't been quite 100% since. She's had to have additional caregiver support come in the home. So, you know, it's it's definitely something that's changing a lot of things for people in the future. And, Mary, I'm curious if, you know, when you were with your um, cardiologist, if, you know, they mentioned anything about seeing any other long-haul, long-term COVID patients to you? They did, and that's that's a great question. Um, when I was talking to them and, and just out of curiosity, I said, are you seeing this? Like, I can't be the only one coming in here with these issues. And they were like, oh, no. It's a daily thing for them. And and dealing with patients who have had COVID more recently or who are dealing with the long-term effects, um, they're just seeing quite an uptick at the cardiology offices. From my healthcare background, that's exactly what I asked when I went in. I can't be the only one with this. Um, I can't, <laughs> and, but also it's good for us to know in things like when we talk about palliative care and what our organization can do with um, you know, providing support for families, patients, and their loved ones around some of these things. Um, someone that has, like we've talked about before recently, um, congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. Um, something like long COVID really could um, create difficulties in, in managing some of this. You know, I, I pulled up the CDC um, to look at some of the um, post-COVID conditions that they have listed out there, and they're all things that kind of sound like COVID. It's like difficulty breathing, uh-huh. tiredness, um, difficulty concentrating, although that's me every day, Um, cough or chest pain, (laughs) uh, headache, fast or pounding heart or heart palpitations, which is what I Mm -hmm. was experiencing. And um, thankfully, they're keeping a close eye on it. I have a heart monitor for a month, which is not great fun, but it is what it is. Um, And I think it will, I think it will go away. And I've definitely am feeling better. Um, I just, I I wonder what this will do and what kind of strain it will put on our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's not just that, but there's also that this is all new and there's mm-hmm. still research being done. So, you know, it's not like you can go to a, a physician or your cardiologist and they'll say, oh, well, you know, this lasts X amount of time. And, you know, we expect things to start alleviating by this point. Well, no, we're kind of in it and learning at the same time, which is um, frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's hard. It's hard. But uh, that's, I guess, been the story of COVID-19 and the pandemic. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we're, you know, we heard Governor Cooper's announcement that he's we're lightening up on mask restrictions across the state. I'll be interested to see um, how that affects numbers and how it affects um, what this all looks like. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I personally probably will still wear a mask in large crowds and continue doing everything, even though I'm now fully boosted in 90 days with <laughs> the COVID. Um, but I think that we all still have to follow some sort of, you know, make sure you're vaccinated, getting your mm-hmm. boosters on the right time and keeping your hands clean. And um, so while I think that we're feeling us plateau, um, I still um, I, there's going to be long-term effects of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I feel absolutely. Yep, yeah, it's uh, it's with us. The long know. haul. That's right. We're, <laughs> I think, all in it for the long haul. Unfortunately, okay. well, we're uh, we're just about out of time for today. I do want to take some time to remind everyone that you can always go to Transitions Life Care. Org if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, uh, view many of the resources available to there available to you there. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource to you. Go to transitionslifecare.org to learn more. Or if you want to 
catch up on episodes of Aging Matters. Maybe you want to share them with a friend. You have someone who's dealing with a caregiving situation and you know of a subject that we've covered that would be helpful to them. You can go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button at the top of the page. From there, find Aging Matters. uh, And there's a a lovely picture of Mary there that you can see. (laughs) And you can also uh, click on the archive there and again, find all the episodes of Aging Matters that we've done. It's a, a great resource for you if you're on a caregiving journey yourself. WPTF.com. Just click on the podcast button at the top of the page. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.